Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me. Happy Thanksgiving to uh, all my friends who are in the United States celebrating Thanksgiving a a month late, but that's all right. That's on you. If you're a newcomer to the show, then uh, welcome aboard. If you're a returning listener, then thanks for coming back. And if you're a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show, then thank you for your continued support. I hope wherever you're getting your copy of the Pipeline Show, you're leaving a comment and or a rating so that others uh, who stumble across the program maybe have never heard of the Pipeline show and they see what you have to say about the show. Maybe that encourages them uh, to give the show a listen. So I would appreciate it. If you haven't done that already, please do leave a rating, leave a comment. And if you are a patron, uh, thank you for your continued support. If you're not a patron yet, why don't you go check it out and see if it's the right fit for you. You could have early access to all the interviews that you hear on the Pipeline Show on a on a weekly episode basis. All of those interviews, they're obviously not done live. This isn't a radio show. It's uh, I do the interviews uh, over a couple of days and then put the show together. Uh, but right after I do those interviews and I edit them right away, uh, those are available to patrons at patreon.com slash show. Let's get right to it because, man, what a week and not a great week. In a lot of ways, some bright spots, uh, but a lot of uh, down stories as well. And uh, we'll start with what's happened this week in Red Deer at uh, Team Canada's World Junior Camp. As everything now on hold for two weeks as a positive test for uh, at least a couple of players and at least one staff member have been reported. I did actually get a text from somebody that said it was up to nine positive cases, but I don't know that. I can't verify that. Uh, and really, qu- quite honestly, at this point, it doesn't matter because. Uh, everything on hold for 14 days, uh, which is off, obviously it's that's terrible news. That's not what you want to see for anybody, uh, especially an entire team. And you know, with the, all the support staff that are there, with the coaches and uh, the you know the the uh, the bench staff, with the trainers and the athletic therapists and the equipment managers, everybody now in quarantine. That's what are we talking about? There's 46 players there, 75 people. I don't know. Terrible. And all of that happened the day of or the day before there were going to be some cuts made. So now everybody's sitting there for two weeks, not sure when the cuts are going to happen. 
as Team Canada needs to try to get down to more manageable numbers. They were supposed to play against the University of Alberta this weekend, and uh, man, I feel awful for the Golden Bears, who, and you'll hear about it in the first segment coming up as they uh, speak with uh, the head coach, Ian Herbers. All they've been doing since September is practicing. They haven't been able to play any games, so you think they were looking forward to this weekend? You better believe it. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Maybe in a couple weeks they'll get that chance, but not right now. And Mount Royal in the same situation. And I mentioned it on Twitter yesterday, and I feel terrible for everybody involved, but especially for Dylan Holloway. And here's why. Remember, before he came to uh, Red Deer, there was a lot of talk. Wisconsin was hoping that they'd be able to hang on to him as they're playing a lot of games right now. And then they would send him at a normal time, uh, as they would in a normal year, you know, around December 8th, December 9th, something like that. But in the end, they released him to go. And now he can't play. He's only been practicing with Alex Newhook and Devin Levi. So he hasn't even been skating with the main group at team for Team Canada. So now he can't play for Canada, and he can't play for Wisconsin. He's just sitting there. So I feel bad for him. Uh, and you say, what about Newhook and Levi? Well, Northeastern and Boston College aren't playing right now either. But the Wisconsin Badgers, they are. So not a great situation for everyone involved uh, with Hockey Canada. And hopefully, you know, in two weeks' time, it's all sorted out and we can get back to business kind of as usual but uh it's not going to be that long now it's i think it's the 13th to the 14th of december all the european teams and the u.s they're all going to be traveling to alberta to get into the bubble here in edmonton and uh, my friend julie robenheimer who you've heard on the show many times over the last decade uh, she had a nice thread about five days ago about all the uh, protocols that all the those teams flying in have to go through you know, on their end before they even get on a plane and then on the way here and once they get here, what the procedure is like. Lots of detail there, so go check that out uh, with uh, Julie Robenheimer's uh, feed on Twitter. Uh, elsewhere, the Alberta Junior Hockey League has suspended play until uh, just before Christmas. There's uh, new protocols in Alberta, uh, which has uh, led them to uh, shut things down for now. The Board of Governors will get together again on December 19th to see if they can get back to playing, uh, they'll kind of determine what's going to happen then. Uh, but for now, the AJHL is uh, on hold. A real quick look at where things were at in the AJHL. The Fort McMurray Oil Barons off to a 4-0 and start this year, and Spruce Grove playing well 3-1 and their record. On the surprise side, because they played a couple of head-to-heads, if uh, Spruce is doing well, Sherwood Park not so much, and uh, they are 0-3-1 and to start, and the Crusaders one of the favorites. Once again this year. In the South Division, Okotoks 3-0, Brooks 2-0, Canmore 2-0. A lot of these teams with uh, a smattering of WHL talent in their rosters. However, those players only available till December 20th. Well, now with the AJHL on hold until then, that's that's over now. So uh, a very short-lived experience for a bunch of WHL guys to play in the AJHL uh, has now come to an end. Speaking of... Uh, Junior A, the BCHL also pushing their start date back. Uh, Not that long, though. They were scheduled to start on December 2nd. They've pushed it back a week to December 8th. But that is dependent on uh, provincial regulations as as well. If the BC government uh, decides to extend what they've got in place uh, beyond December 7th, well, then the BCHL would still be on hold. In the queue, the uh, bubble seems to be working. A lot of teams 
getting uh, a lot of games under their belt. And yet, meanwhile, now the Halifax Mooseheads have had to suspend operations. So, you know, it's uh, two steps forward, one step back uh, in the queue right now. The Mooseheads will not be playing games until at least December 9th. That announced on their Twitter feed as well a couple of days ago. In the queue, Sean Element of the Cape Breton Eagles still leads the league in scoring. He's got 28 points. Cedric Desrousseaux with 27. Elliot Denoyer of those Halifax Mooseheads, he has 25 points. Matthew Degagne has 23, as does Thomas Casey of Acadie Bathurst and Charlottetown, respectively. Top team right now in the queue are the, those Charlottetown Islanders, but uh, keep an eye on the Blainville Wabri and Armada. They've only played seven games, but they're 7-0, and so a good start for the BB Armada. I believe they're the only uh, team still with a perfect record. Again, only seven games compared to, you know, 13, 14, 15 that... Uh, other teams have played. Halifax has actually played 16 games. Let's end it with the NCAA update, and we'll get into this uh, a lot more in uh, the second guest segment uh, today that you'll hear. But uh, playing Big Ten uh, continues to move forward. Wisconsin's up to six games played. Minnesota and Michigan have played four, as has Penn State. A big difference in the outcomes, though. Minnesota and Michigan both perfect 4-0. and Meanwhile, Penn State is 0-4. Wisconsin's played six games. They're four and two. The two losses they had were against the Michigan Wolverines. A few other programs have uh, got off to a start, but uh, not a whole lot uh, thus far in the NCAA. Scoring leaders, not surprising. Uh, with the team that has played six games, uh, the Badgers have the top two players. Linus Weisbach with uh, nine points in six games. Cole Caulfield on the strength of a four-point performance, including a hat-trick against Penn State in their last outing. He has eight points now. Only had one goal uh, through the first five games, and that was well off his scoring pace from last year. But uh, a big outing against uh, the Nittany Lions in that last game has uh, really boosted his uh, scoring numbers. Michigan playing very well, as I mentioned. Kent Johnson, Thomas Bordalo, Maddie Benier, Brennan Brisson, all freshmen all top 10 in NCAA scoring. Owen Power right there as well. So that uh, recruiting class uh, by the Wolverines really coming through. A lot of teams getting going this weekend. Scheduled games, and I guess you got to put an asterisk next to all of these, but uh, Air Force is going to take on AIC. Holy Cross and Bentley will square off. Robert Morris welcomes Canisius. The Wolverines are scheduled to play Notre Dame. RIT back from the dead as uh, they had canceled their season and then uh, a couple of days later said, nope, we're going to play. Uh, RIT will take on uh, Clarkson. Boston College gets going, at least uh, scheduled to, against UMass. Minnesota State welcomes Bemidji State. And uh, Lake Superior is going to play against a Division Three opponent. All of those games on Friday. That's it for the news and notes. Of course, all of my guests that you're going to hear on the show today join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. You can get your new supply. You go to troubledmonk.com if you live in Edmonton, Calgary, Red Deer, St. Albert, or Sherwood Park. You order before 1 o'clock, use the promo code PIPELINE, you'll get that delivery right to your door and absolutely free delivery as long as you use the promo code PIPELINE. I was enjoying a uh, Juicy Gossip IPA, a couple of them as a matter of fact, yesterday. Today's guest list a little bit shorter as one guest uh, fell through uh, at the uh, last minute, or not quite at the last minute, but I uh, still have three really good guests for you. Here's who you will hear on the program today. I mentioned Ian Herbers. He's the head coach of the University of Alberta Golden Bears. And in that conversation, we talked about how fluid the situation is and hopefully things happen. Well, a lot obviously has changed since uh, two days ago when I had 
the conversation with Coach Herbers. A lot of the interview, though, is about what the team has been doing, what could happen for them after the new year. Uh, so still much of that conversation is relevant. Uh, Ian Herbers will uh, kick the show off. Then we'll hear from uh, Adam Wooden from College Hockey News. We'll talk about the status of college hockey right now, as there are a lot of good stories and a lot of uh, question marks, let's say. And we'll end things off with uh, Cam Moon, the voice of the Red Deer Rebels, who also had the opportunity to call a couple of games as they the, at the Canada World Junior Camp, the red and white games that were this past weekend. And as I when I spoke with him, it was yesterday, and two hours after that conversation is when Hockey Canada announced they had to shut down camp. So part of that conversation is about what do you think is going to happen next? And obviously uh, what's happened next uh, changed a lot a couple of hours after that interview. But Cam and I talked a lot about uh, his impressions of uh, uh, players and who stood out, who maybe hasn't wowed anybody just yet. Still lots to take from that interview with Mooner. So let's kick things off. Ian Herbers, the head coach of the University of Alberta Golden Bears, he's up first here on the Pipeline Show. St. Croix just off the bench. He'll cut around a Royal along the side boards. Back for Sautner. Corbett wants the puck. One-time shot. Scores! Cody Corbett's first Western Hockey League goal. A one-timer. It's 2-1 Edmonton. It's Cody Corbett here from the Memorial Cup, and we're uh, we're number one in the nation, baby. Then you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Spruce Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash is King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. We're back on The Pipeline Show, and we'll uh, begin this week's episode with a uh, conversation with the head coach of the University of Alberta as uh, they've been, well, we'll find out what they've been doing for the most part up to now. Scheduled this weekend to uh, play against uh, Canada's uh, national junior team, uh, but as things uh, we're just talking about it off the air, uh, so fluid right now, especially in this province, uh, have no idea what's going to actually happen this weekend. But fingers crossed, uh, Team Canada will be playing against the University of Alberta Golden Bears, and that means head coach Ian Herbers. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, uh, Coach. How are you? Good, thank you. Appreciate you making the time today. I know it's been a busy week for you. Uh, up to this point, up to this week, what have the last three months, what have they been like? Uh, for you and for the Golden Bears, because I know no youth sports this year. So uh, what have you been doing? That's uh, unlike a lot of other sports or businesses. It's been a lot of ups and downs for us here. Uh, I guess, well, if you go way back, starting the end of our last season, that's not making it to the Canada West Finals and everything else. But um, during the summertime, finding we're not going to have a season, cancel season, season back on, then the Canada West canceling, then youth sport canceling, and uh, now we're talking about maybe we get into an eight-game schedule in the new year with some playoffs with just the Alberta University. So uh, as far as that wise, it's been a little bit of a yo-yo up and down, not playing, playing, finding ways and that. So 
Uh, it's been great timing here, helping out the World Junior team. Hopefully these games go off this weekend, helping their preparation, their evaluation, working on their systems, their gameplay, um, because the, the, the European teams have a little bit of advantage right now. All their young players are playing over there, and uh, as everybody knows, the CHL is not playing right now, so a little bit of disadvantage for our guys, but at the same token, NHL players, but NHL on both sides. Uh, as far as us, we started September 1, had our first day on the ice. We've been going Monday to Friday every day, 7.30 in the morning to 9 we have the ice. Uh, first two months, September and October, we went two groups to keep our numbers down low, uh, worked on individual skills, uh, brought in guest coaches. My assistant coaches were, ran most of the individual stuff, which allowed me free time to to teach and help our players, help them improve, get to know them better or interact with them a little bit more one-on-one than I normally would on a regular season. So for me, I thought it was a, a great experience, uh, a good start to the season. You can see the improvement in our players. Uh, we got a lot of skill, speed, talent, character in our group. Um, and you, in the two months of working all on individual skills, it's been good sessions for our guys. Now finding out, confirming for sure that we're playing the World Junior the last two weeks here, just now getting back to normal practices and working on systems and gameplay and our team strategy. Boy, it really feels like uh, so long ago that you guys were last on the ice in a meaningful game against UBC, and we know the way that uh, that worked out. And I, I imagine you were eager to get this season going just to kind of uh, get some retribution for what happened last spring and then to have this ex- extremely long off season. How do you keep the guys engaged through all of this and, and, and invested in just practicing hard as if it was a regular season just in case you get to play? That's got to be a challenge, though, mentally. It is a challenge, and that's a credit to our team. Well, it's even the history of this program, the people, players, coaches, staff, everybody that's gone through, the character that's gone through this organization and moved on, and our alumni and so-and-so, just the players we have in right now, they're – they're focused. We've been starting with 7.30 practice in the morning, which is something new for this program. Uh, and the energy and the excitement's been fantastic by our guys. They've come out wanting to learn, wanting to be pushed, wanting to be challenged. Uh, key for the coaching staff here to make sure we're changing things up, mixing it up. As I was saying earlier, bringing in guest coaches, uh, different thoughts, different ideas, giving the guys different opportunities, skills, areas of their game to work on and keep it fresh and challenging for them. And they've bought in, and they've been very good, uh, very enthusiastic. I think a big part of it is is getting it's something normal for them. With the COVID going on, life has changed for a lot of people, but getting on the ice and actually getting to shoot pucks, score goals, make passes, laugh and joke with your teammates, it's, uh, I guess, euphoria, excitement for the guys. It's, it's normal. So it, it's been really good good situation so far for us and and this kind of overall situation a bit of escape from uh reality of what's going on uh everywhere else so exactly how different is this year's roster for you compared to last year every year uh, there are a number of players who graduate and and move on but uh, have there been more than norm in a normal year because of the situation that guys just decided "Eh, you know what i'm just gonna Hang them up. Well, the year before, we had a huge recruiting class, a big chunk of uh, WHL graduating players. Um, so we didn't think we were going to need as many this year, but a couple, few of our guys uh, graduated from their programs and decided they didn't want to come back for a fifth year because they were done their education, got good job opportunities, and, and moved on. A couple guys have graduated. 
Uh, a couple guys with the summertime and COVID and all the situation going on figured U of A wasn't the right fit and, and playing hockey wasn't a, a priority for him anymore. So we lost a couple guys that way as well. Um, and then in one of our fifth years, Trevor Cox, he ended up signing in Slovakia, I believe, and, which is good. He had all schools online. He can finish his degree online, get it done, and, and a chance to play pro hockey. At that point, we weren't playing a season or having any games. Uh, so uh, I was all in favor of that and good opportunity for him. So we did lose more guys than we were expecting. Uh, at the same token, we've, we've brought in a very good recruiting class, the speed, the skill, the talent, the character we brought in. Uh, and with these guys committed early and they stayed with the program with all this fluctuation up, down, no season, not playing everything else. And, uh, they're committed and it shows now the three months we've been on the ice. Uh, well, I go to the Canada West website and then the most up to date roster that I can find is from last spring's, uh, uh, playoffs. So I don't have the up to date roster for you. So who are, who are some of the new guys that you've got in this year? Uh, Tyler Prezuzo, uh, been Medicine Hat and Vancouver Giants. Uh, talking with his coach, uh, Michael Dick in, in Vancouver, he said he was the fastest guy in the Western Hockey League last year. Uh, and he's shown that spurts out here. Right now I am playing with Paul and Chuck and Fontaine. So that when U Sports in Canada West gets going, that will be the fastest line in the country. Uh, Ryan Hughes, who played with Ryan Marsh, who's a Golden Bear alumni for, in Saskatoon. And I believe he finished up in Kamloops. Uh, um, is with us as well. Very skillful, very smart player. Uh, can make plays in tight areas and very competitive. Uh, we also picked up Daniil Ladikin from the Alabama Huntsville program that folded. Uh, he's a Westlock native and he's got speed. He can fly. He's still a little bit rough and a little bit polished on him, but I think he can be a very dynamic player for us up front. Uh, at the back end, Dylan Plouffe, uh, who ended up in Medicine Hat, was in Vancouver before that. Uh, very mobile, very smooth skating defenseman. Um, kind of guy I like at the back end, guys that can get the pucks, make plays, um, and we're not spending a ton of time in our zone because very mobile, very active, so which is great. And then Ethan Sackwich, uh was Red Deer, very uh, physical, very hard-nosed, defending-type defenseman. Um, he was a captain in Red Deer, so a bunch of leadership-wise, Guys were assistant captains or captains in the Western Hockey League team. Uh, and then in goaltending, with the pronghorns folding in our league, Taz mm-hmm. Berman was available, and we picked him up uh, and has been a very good fit for us. And then we also, Jacob Bennett, another goalie that was playing junior B in BC and was enrolled in school, asked if he could come try out. And he's earned a spot on the team. He's played very well, competed very hard, and has been good in camp so far. Nice. Well, a lot of really... I think I got everybody. I, I don't <laughs> think I forgot anybody, but... Hopefully I didn't. A list of uh, very familiar names for anybody who uh, watches the WHL. That's that's for sure some standout players there. No surprise that that pipeline from the WHL to the U of A has been well established for many many years. I mean that's that's really the lifeblood of your program, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the Western Hockey League offers that great program with the education package that they offer to all their players. I think I might have been one of the very first players to use that when that education package came out. Uh, back in the late 80s and that I don't know if maybe a little bit earlier or not uh, but I used it as well helped pay for my schooling and everything else which was huge I didn't have any debt coming out of university so it's a great opportunity for the guys with our program they know they're going to get a great academics uh, any of the faculties they get into at the U of A are fantastic and have something to fall back on um, and then knowing the way we manage our team and the way we 
run our program with the development that we offer, the exposure that we offer to our players. Uh, every year we're expected to challenge for a national title. We try and play games like this against the World Junior Team or NCAA teams uh, that are going to push our program, make us a better team, make us better individuals, and get that exposure out there. Uh, and it's been good. Our guys work hard. They come and earn it every day. So it's been a good fit. Uh, I'm going to ask you about this week, the plans this weekend uh, to play against Canada. But before I do, you were mentioning about the, the plans for uh, in the new year for uh, for the Alberta-based uh, university teams. Can you give us a, a bit of a synopsis of uh, what the, the what's being envisioned, what's being talked about, and how far away that uh, might be from uh, actually happening? Well, still lots up in the air. Uh, a lot of things we don't know. A very fluid situation. Uh, well, originally we were looking to try and get a 12-game schedule with uh, Grant McEwen, University of Calgary, and Mount Royal. Um, it looks like now we're looking at an eight-game schedule, then with some semifinals and then a finals. So get a little bit of playoff action, put a little something on it. Uh, be great if we play for some, you know, get a little bit of Alberta Cup, a little bit of Alberta Alberta Challenge. Maybe it's something that we can roll into the future years when the Alberta team's playing against each other and keeping track of it and mm-hmm. um, have a little bit on the line for the province and everything else. So an op- just an opportunity for our guys. The, the big thing is right now we're talking and discussing and hopefully things work through and come through. Our guys want to play. They just don't want to practice. They've been very good at the practicing and developing part, but they want to play. They want to get in games. They want to have opportunities to compete and show what they can do. And uh, that leads us back to this weekend. And, uh, again, cross our fingers, it all happens. We know it's, uh, as you and I are speaking, it's 4 o'clock-ish on a Tuesday, and everything seems to be, again, pretty fluid. We heard this morning Canada was canceling their activities uh, today because of uh, positive test results for a couple of players. Who knows what happens this weekend. But what does that mean to your program to have that opportunity, uh, again, looking ahead to the second half and, and Usually these games, uh, you might play against the Oilers prospects and stuff at the start of the season. Um, kind of a tune-up for you for the regular season. What does it mean this weekend just for your guys? It's almost like a reward kind of uh, for their hard work of practicing the last three months to get out there and actually play some uh, friendly games. Yeah, it sure is. Well, first and foremost, we get to help Team Canada in their preparation and their opportunity to repeat as champions. Uh, so just giving them tool here to help evaluate their players, make their right decisions, uh, keep building on their systems and their strategies. So anything we can do to help out there, give them a good competition, something different, uh, instead of just scrimmaging against themselves. Uh, we've obviously been playing together for a while, a lot of our guys, and we have some structure and power play, penalty kill, and different face-offs. So opportunity for them to evaluate their team. And then secondly, for our guys, we wanted these tough competition, these games with no National Hockey League. There's probably a few of those guys in that lineup that would be in the National Hockey League right now. Um, so it's going to be hard and a difficult weekend for us. We'll have to play very well to give ourselves a chance. Uh, and that's the only way we're going to get better. If it was easy all the time for us, we weren't getting pushed, we weren't getting challenged, we wouldn't improve as a team, a program, or as individuals. Uh, so we're always, Stan and I are always looking for these kind of situations where we can help improve our guys, help improve our team, get the exposure. Um, this is a situation now where we'll be on TV twice, which usually doesn't get to happen to, for us, except for maybe if we get into the national final. Uh, so getting on TV and, and getting in a pressure game like that, is, it's good for our guys, good for our development. Well, it'll be fun to watch as well. Uh, Coach, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck this weekend. And- 
Man, let's hope uh, you guys get to uh, have some uh, games in uh, come January as well and into the second half. That would be that would be good for everybody, I think, uh, at this point. Uh, thanks for doing this. My pleasure, and I agree with you on that. Just trying to get back to a little bit of normal would be fantastic. There's Ian Herbers, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears. Really unfortunate how things have uh, turned out here this week uh, with Hockey Canada having to suspend operations for the next 14 days, or I guess now maybe uh, 12 days. Uh, but that wipes out this weekend's games as well, probably as uh, next weekend uh, when they were scheduled to play against Mount Royal. So uh, unfortunate for both of those U-sport clubs. And the following weekend was initially set for uh, the University of Calgary. Uh, I believe that was maybe changed to unknown and possibly the Golden Bears there. Uh, we'll see moving forward. But, uh, man, that sucks for the Golden Bears and for the players and the coaching staff. And, man, could you imagine just playing, practicing? three months and uh, then you finally get the invite and you're all excited to to get going and less than a week five days to four days before you were about to play against Canada's junior uh, team no that uh, gets taken away as well so real real tough year if you're a member of the Golden Bears but I appreciate Ian Herbers making the time earlier this week to uh, look ahead and, and fingers crossed they get back to business in 2021, as he was talking about maybe playing some games against uh, Mount Royal and, and Calgary. At least that would be something to look forward to. Next up, uh, we'll go south of the border for an NCAA campus report. Adam Woden described himself as Mr. Doom and Gloom uh, in a previous interview that he was on the show. Uh, there's been some good stories and some uh, not-so-good stories around college hockey down south. Let's get an update from him. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show. Coach Dibbon could not resist leaving Newhook out there. Newhook will wind up out of his own zone. He went from Newfoundland to Victoria last year. Here he goes. Wide around the middle. Newhook shoots, scores! He does it again! Hi, it's Alex Newhook of the Victoria Grizzlies, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Fights like an old lady. It's the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Time for an NCAA campus report brought to you by College Hockey Inc. If you are a player or have one in your family and you need to know what you can can't do to maintain your eligibility, you can get in touch with College Hockey Inc. That's uh, Mike Snee, Nate Ewell. They'll help steer you in the right direction. Their website, obviously, a good starting point as well. My guest this week is Adam Woden from College Hockey News. Adam, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hello, sir. We're all hanging in there. Yes, I think that's a, a, <laughs> an apt way to describe things. College hockey is often running, kind of, often stumbling maybe. Uh, some games happening, some games aren't. Uh, some teams are getting geared up to begin. Others have decided to shut down for the uh, entire season. Uh, how would you describe things right now in terms of college hockey? Uh, chaotic, but I guess not all that unexpected, honestly. So, 
uh, I guess just kind of taking it in stride. It is a lot to keep up with. Um, you know, it's, uh, I always say it's nothing against any of the schools, administrators, coaches, whatever, uh, in, in the sport. I mean, they all were doing and are doing the best they can, but, uh, it's just the situation. So, you know, it's, uh, it's bound to be, honestly, it's bound to be somewhat of a disaster. <laughs> we just hope, hope to get through it. And again, that's, that's not a reflection on, uh, what I think, any, how I think anyone's doing. It, it's just uh, the way it is. So um, it doesn't surprise me. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I keep saying, you know, coaches love the fact to say, you know, they love saying that uh, just take one game at a time. We're all day to day. Well, this is the epitome of that. I mean, yeah. they, they they can't have any better explanation for that uh, point of view than this year because you really don't know from one day to the next whether you're going to be able to play or practice the next day. Well, and that's the case, and I think, what was it, up to nine, maybe ten teams that have said they're not going to play at all, and then that went back one because was it RIT that had originally said they're not going to play, and now they're back to playing? So it does seem to be a very fluid situation. Yeah, I mean, that was a case where RIT is a member of the Liberty League in Division Three. NCAA for most sports, but uh, hockey, they're in Division One Atlantic Hockey. So um, they're the Liberty League, why am I having a hard time saying that? They uh, shut down for the whole season, but uh, that didn't mean the hockey schools had to. So uh, the RIT president, I, I believe, he won't necessarily say this specifically, but I think he misinterpreted what uh, he was supposed to have to do. And uh, once he realized that he didn't have to shut down hockey, he kind of reversed course. So, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to necessarily get through it all. Uh, they're scheduled to play Clarkson this weekend. It's funny, like, Teams are picking up games wherever they can now because yeah. in addition to the nine that we're talking about that canceled their season, I mean, you got basically most of Hockey East and most of what was left of the ECAC have shut down till the middle of December. And, you know, because they're going through a surge, uh, whether it be on campus or in the surrounding communities of the virus. So I don't know if that's going to be any better in mid-December. So, you know, this is kind of a drip, drip, drip here as we go along. So teams are picking up games left and right. And as a, uh, want to be a historian of uh, college hockey. I've, I've done a lot of research back, you know, to the early 1900s of hockey. And uh, a lot of uh, schools used to like just kind of schedule games as they went along the season, whoever was available. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would schedule them on like a frozen pond somewhere on campus. And if the, if the pond wasn't frozen over enough, they'd have to cancel the game. That's what this reminds me of. <laughs> You know, like that that morning of the game, you know, you might have to cancel because the pond isn't frozen. So it's pretty much the same thing. From one day to the next, they have no idea. I thought I read a story that uh, maybe you had written or you had tweeted about it, and it was a story at College Hockey Inc. or at News College Hockey News. Was it, is it Yale that this is the first season they've canceled in like over something, 100, 120 years, something like that? They well, so Yale and Johns Hopkins played the first ever intercollegiate hockey game in 1896. Okay, and then so then like subsequent to that, uh, you know, most of the Ivy League schools started playing, and then so on and so forth. Then you know they they would have a, a somewhat of a schedule, and like I just said, I mean there was sometimes where they had to cancel games. So as it turns out, Yale is the only school from 1896 till this year played at least one game. <laughs> Every single year, you know, like, for example, Harvard started playing maybe like in 1898, uh, but they had a couple of seasons where they just didn't have any games scheduled for a variety of reasons. 
So Yale's the only one, and uh, they got through two world wars and uh, another pandemic, but they couldn't survive this one. Oh, that's incredible. And I almost kind of wish they could find a way to put it, just have one game just to keep that right? streak alive. But, oh, well. <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned Hockey East, and a lot of the teams, uh, a number of the teams have uh, delayed until now, till just before Christmas. And then, don't, I mean, we have the Christmas break, don't we? So how's that work? Well, a lot of these teams have games scheduled for, like, let's say December 18th or whatnot. And, uh, you know, like, at the moment, you know, that's when Vermont, Northeastern, uh, some of these schools are planning on coming back. So I guess there'll be two or four games before Christmas, theoretically. Okay. And then the uh, Christmas break, and then hopefully, hopefully after. But you know, if it was that easy, so to speak, to cancel these games in the next two or three weeks, who's to say that that won't happen again on December 18th? So, you know, schedules are very tentative. When we say they're, you know, when we say, well, our our season's been postponed till December 18th. Well, you know, that's the status as of today. Mm-hmm. Uh, in two weeks, you know, you could get another update that says, well, now it's till January. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's got to be anxiety provoking for these players, you know, as much as anything, because they don't know if their, you know, career, so to speak, will be derailed for the entire season. I mean, the not knowing is worse in, in a way than knowing already. I mean, you've seen guys in uh, Ivy League teams have already transferred. Yeah. Um, or other ECAC teams, they've already transferred and they're able to get on with things. I mean, in many cases, I think they're going to be able to play in the second semester, even like by the end of December. Um, but, you know, guys, let's say on Boston College who haven't yet played a game, uh, you know, a lot of blue chippers there. And, uh, you know, what if the season never happens? But right now they think it is. And so they don't they're not transferring They're not going anywhere else. So, you know, I even asked Jerry York about that yesterday. He was kind of uh, circumspect about the whole thing. He didn't want to say that, uh, you know, guys are anxious and looking around, you know, or or maybe considering going pro. I mean, you know, when are the NHL camps planning to start opening? End of December or so? Aren't they targeting January 1st right now? Although they haven't really put anything in stone yet either. No, you know, and... Who knows if the AHL? I know, I know, most of the, or a lot of the East Coast league is not going to play, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and the AHL, I mean, at the moment they're planning to play, right? So, at some point, but I mean, you know, maybe these guys who are NHL draft picks, uh, maybe you know, maybe they will have a place to go, maybe they won't. So maybe that's that's the that's the hold up there. But I, I would I would not be surprised if you saw some players you know, decide to just skip out and head to an NHL camp like in the end of December. Right. Well, we'll watch for that. The NCHC, uh, they enter their, their, I guess they're calling it a pod. I still think of it as a bubble, but going to right. Omaha starting December 1st. I know Colorado College is kind of up in the air right now because uh, they're isolating and they're supposed to open the entire event. Uh, so not sure what the situation there is, but what do, what do you think of the bubble idea? And are you do you have a, a, a level of confidence that it's going to go off uh, well? Uh, I I do. I mean, if they get there, <laughs> uh, you know, the, I I think the you know the NCAA did a great thing. I mean, pulling that together uh, is a great idea. Um, like I said, just getting there though will be kind of the issue. I mean, North Dakota is has the highest per capita rate of coronavirus in the world right now hmm. for the state of North Dakota. So you know, what does that mean for the hockey team getting there? Uh, 
Um, yeah, it's worse. It, it's again, these guys can do all the tremendous legwork in the world, but uh, they're kind of at the mercy of uh, this virus, and anything can happen. So, you know, the other aspect of this too is. The NCHC has been very open, and I give them a lot of credit as well for uh, outlining their exact protocols and procedures. None of the other leagues have necessarily done it so publicly at this point. And so you're like, you see, like, you know, a, a school like Northeastern, for example, I mean, they've had no positive tests um, among their hockey team, but they've had other sports teams on their campus have a couple positives here and there, and their president just shut everything down for a few weeks. And that, that, it set a lot of people off, right? But, I mean, there's no – it seems like presidents – and, again, I'm not blaming them for being careful, but it's like you signed off on a certain procedure. And then the biggest concern – I even said this, like, three weeks ago. I said the biggest concern to me is, like, what happens if a president gets spooked after one positive test, you know? Um, so so the NCHC, getting back to your question, has outlined a very specific procedure in terms of what happens if one person tests positive, so on and so forth, and how that will not – necessarily stop games from being played. You need like a, a minimum of 15 healthy skaters or something to, to play a game. Um, but, you know, the question remains like what will happen in the bubble there if, uh, if, if that does happen and if a school president or something gets spooked and pulls a team out. I, I have no idea. Uh, so that, re- that remains to be seen. But, and, and again, I, I think there's a, there's a way – you know, people people get on my case from both sides. I'm, I'm I'm saying be very careful, and then that gets me in trouble with people who are like, let them play, you know. And then <laughs> yeah. on the other hand, I'm like, <laughs> on the other hand, I say, you know, I think there's a way to balance this and to play and to isolate someone who got sick and then keep going. And then I get yelled at by the people, ah, oh, you don't care about their safety. You <laughs> know, so, um, and, and, and it's true, obviously, that hockey is not the most important thing in the world, but it is also true that these players are there partially and i believe very heavily in the student student part of the student athlete i think it's that's why i love college hockey combines you know the academics and the hockey but but let's not you know be stupid about it those players are there because they were recruited to play hockey so that is their livelihoods in in a sense that you're you're taking away from them so while it's not the most important thing in the world it is important to the people involved, and uh, I think it's healthy for everyone's mental health in general to, uh, to 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 be as normal as possible. So, anyway, that's my little soliloquy on the matter. I hope uh, <laughs> I just I, I do hope they get through it. Um, but again, I understand really all sides of this. Well, that was very well said. Adam Oden from College Hockey News is my guest. There have been games. Uh, let's talk a little about and have you watched uh, mostly Big Ten, but a smattering of of other games happening as well. What have you thought of the games uh, thus far? Yeah, I have basically watched uh, as much of the Big Ten as I could. That's been pretty much it. Like you said, this this here and there of other games, but um, really the Big Ten ones are the only real compelling games so far. I guess UMass, UConn played a couple games. Uh, UMass handled them pretty well, so weren't necessarily that compelling. I mean, of course, you have the Long Island University win in their first game ever, but yeah. uh, the Big Ten games have, have been pretty good. You know, I uh, this this week, I know Minnesota swept Ohio State. Ohio State hadn't played any games yet, and they definitely looked kind of rusty. So, you know, I don't I don't know. I, I know this is going to be a year they kind of expected to step back anyway, but uh, having to play Minnesota kind of cold like that was uh, was hard to do. So. 
Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, Michigan's going to have to a great start with their, you know, phenomenal freshman group, uh, really lighting it up already. Uh, you know, you have two, two high NHL picks among the freshmen and three other guys who weren't even drafted yet probably all be first-rounders next year. Um, they, they've been tremendous. So I, it's going to be interesting for me to see as the year goes on. Like, I, I, I have this theory that I'm not saying I know for sure is true yet, but that coaching may, you know, the systems play may be less of an issue than pure talent. You know, in, in the past, we've always run into situations where you've had stacked blue-chip freshman teams come in and then not do well during the course of the season because, you know, they're still just freshmen and older teams are able to handle them. Um, but in this case, this year with the, you know, there not being a lot of time for coaches to implement systems and whatnot, uh, it may just be a case where talent uh, just runs the show for a little while here, <laughs> at least at the beginning. So that's my theory right now. You know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, they're all playing pretty well um, uh, with those with those young freshman players. Uh, you mentioned Long Island. Before I let you go, got to get your thoughts on that because I know I was a doubter that they were going to be able to pull – all like start a program within five months to be ready for the start of the season. I think it's phenomenal story the way it's worked out, getting a win on opening night, coming back there to earth in the the second game. But that's a great story, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was way up on the uh, skepticism meter there. I was, you know, I wrote an article for College Hockey News right when it was announced, saying I don't know what these people are thinking. You know, I mean, and, and again, I, I I always hesitate to you know. People go overboard criticizing. I mean, you know, the, the athletic director there, you know, thought was a very nice guy and whatnot. I just thought he was extremely naive on what it took to start a program. And a lot of people around college hockey like, where are, they, where are these guys come from? They never even called any of us for advice. Um, but, you know, I think they lucked out by finding a coach in Brett Riley from a long pedigree of Rileys who have coached in college hockey. Uh, a young guy, like 29 years old, but uh, very energetic, eager, and smart. Uh, that was willing to take the job. Uh, that you know, they called around a lot of people who you know they just weren't offering enough kind of money to pay like a more experienced coach. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't going to happen. But uh, Brett Riley was just like a miracle worker, basically pulling a team together. And you know, as as odd as it sounds, they uh, kind of benefited from the virus because I don't know who they were going to play uh, otherwise. You know, they they were able to put together a schedule. Uh, of games because teams are looking all over the place just to play games. Yeah. So that helped. And, and then you had a lot of, you know, division one transfers come in and, uh, you know, the guy who scored the overtime winner in their first game, there was from Alabama Huntsville who was transferring because at, you know, at one point their program was not going to happen uh, back in May. So, you know, they, they, he, he managed to put the piece together. I give him all the credit in the world. That does not mean they weren't crazy in the first place <laughs> before hiring him. That still stands. That was, it was nuts, but, uh, give him credit for pulling this together. It's going to, it's going to be tough. You know, I mean, you know, Holy Cross did heavily outshoot them in both games, but, um, you know, hey, this is, it's, it's year one. It's supposed to be that way. And, uh, they, they don't look like they're embarrassing themselves. That's for sure. You know, I asked you to describe uh, college hockey right now, and uh, I think nuts is a, a nice one-word uh, description. Adam, as always, really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, you got it. All right, stay safe. All right, dude. Adam Wooden from College Hockey News, my guest, and uh, appreciate whenever he's able to make time to come on the program. And, uh, again, lots of some good, some bad stories to uh, cover there and get the update from Adam on when it comes to college hockey. A slate of games for this weekend, Friday, Saturday, uh, and 
cross your fingers. So hopefully they all go off. But uh, I think you almost have to put an asterisk uh, next to a lot of them when you see the schedule because things, as we're learning, can uh, change so quickly. Uh, might get cancelled the day of or postponed or pushed back or whatever you want to call it. Uh, in the world of uh, COVID, things very, very tentative at all times. Uh, one more segment to go. And uh, speaking of uh, things uh, changing so quickly, Cam Moon, uh, the voice of the Red Deer Rebels, uh, was able to broadcast the Canada Red-White Games this past weekend, was getting set to do that on Tuesday. Of course, that got wiped out. On Wednesday, I chatted with him about that and looking to what what happens next. And we talk about performance of players at uh, Canada's camp, who he thinks is going to make the team and things like that. Uh, and then two hours after we had that conversation, the news broke. Canada suspending operations for a couple of weeks as they deal with uh, cases of the COVID-19 virus. So let's talk to Cam Moon and get his impressions of what he's seen at Canada camp next here on the Pipeline Show. Down the left side, pass over to Ashton. Oh, what a stop! Darcy Camper. What a gutsy performance this evening at the NMAX Centrio. This is Cam Moon, voice of the Red Deer Rebels, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. It's definitely one worth talking about. Tell them why, bud. Juicy Gossip New England Pale Ale. This bright and full-flavored IPA is flashy and delicious. Tropical flavors of pineapple and mango dominate this perfectly hoppy beer. Player comparable? Alex Ovechkin. Specialized job and every time is a party. Troubled Monk. Visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk. Craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Who? Last segment of this week's episode of the Pipeline Show as we head down to Red Deer, the uh, 2021 World Junior Championship by Hockey Canada in Red Deer right now. They're trying to get their camp, uh, get through the camp and an extended camp this year and uh, set to defend their gold medal from uh, last year. And a guy who's uh, there on the scene and has been calling some games, the voice of the Red Deer Rebels, Cam Moon. Mooner, welcome back to the program. How are things? Things are, well, as well as could be, I guess, given the circumstances. It, uh, it was nice to actually have some hockey here for a bit. Shut down now, but yeah, we had a good run. We had a good run of like four or five days. I know there's not a whole lot we can really say about what's happening at the moment because nothing's happening at the moment, but let's not That's gloss right. over it. There's been a couple of positive cases there in Canada camp. So do we know anything about when they'll get back to uh, practicing and there's scheduled games this weekend against the U of A? Do we know yet if that's for sure going to happen or not? Or what's the situation right now as far as you know? And we know how fluid this is, and it could change an hour from now. So true. Uh, no and, and no. Uh, I, there's nothing going on around the rink right now. They would be all at the hotel. Uh, so no no ice times coming up here today or any time this week that I know of. And then 
the plan was to play three weekends in a row against, you know, U sport teams. It was going to be the Bears this weekend, and then I think it was Mount Royal the next weekend, and I'm not sure about the third weekend. I think it was originally supposed to be the University of Calgary, but mm-hmm. now it might be it might be the Bears again, or, or it might be a combination of Bears and Royals. I don't know, but I don't know if those games are happening. I really don't like. Um, I, I wish they were because I would look. The, the plan was that they were going to be on TV, but yeah, as it sits right now, I don't know if those are happening. Yeah, two players that tested positive. They had uh, a staff member test positive a few days before that. So there's all sorts of quarantining and and testing going on right now. So hopefully we can get that whole thing under control and then and then be looking at it in a rearview mirror so that they can get ahead. With the camp, I, the thing is, the camp is longer than normal. Is more players than normal, but it's longer than normal. You got a lot of runway to deal with here. Mm-hmm. You know, the the plan to come to Edmonton. I mean, they're going to be here for a month before they get to Edmonton. I think they were looking to get to Edmonton on December fourteenth. So um, you still got you know plenty of time, but but you do need to get down in numbers too, um, from forty four players to eventually twenty five. So. They still got some work to do, and that was the plan here. It was supposed to happen on Tuesday or today, wasn't it? That uh, today being Wednesday, that they were the plan was to cut down a little bit, uh, but no uh, no game yesterday, and um, and nothing really to to go off of. So do you think maybe they just hold off until the weekend, or might? I, mean, I guess we're just speculating, but what do you think? Yeah, we're speculating, but I I would think they would like to get another game yeah. before they make moves whether that be U sport or red white whatever uh yeah that was the plan was to play tuesday morning and then they were going to make cuts after the game and then get those that were released out uh but now i i'm guessing they're gonna have to wait <laughs> but i don't know i i mean they can do whatever they want but uh, i i would think they would would try to get another game in however but that might take a little while so maybe they can't all right, Mooner, let's talk about the games that did happen. A couple of them, uh, and uh, you were a part of the broadcast. Uh, it was on the uh, Hockey Canada website, yourself and Craig Button. First off, that had to have been a lot of fun. Well, to work with Craig, it must have been great, but to just get back in the booth and call some games. Yeah, oh, for sure it was. It was, uh, it was, and it was nice that I was able to watch practice for a couple of days prior to kind of get a, a look at these guys and, the players from the Eastern Conference of the WHL, I mean, you got a pretty good idea of them, and, and you get to see them a bit. But if they're a Western Conference player, you only see them once a year. Yeah. And if they're from the OHL or the, or the Quebec Major Junior League, you don't see them at all. So uh, there was it was like cramming for a test. So I was cramming and cramming just to get as much information into my head, and hopefully some of it would stick. Um so there was that, uh, but it was fun. It was enjoyable. It's great because a guy like Craig Button has so much knowledge when it comes to mm-hmm. players across Canada, and he knows these guys so well that uh, that helped carry me. Uh, the weirdest part was was calling a game like this that is incredibly skilled. Like these are the there's so many good players at this thing because there's no NHL right now, with the exception of of Alexis Lafreniere. Everybody that can be here is here. But it was it was really weird, Guy, in that you're in this rink and there's this, all this talent and there's no noise. Like yeah. there's, it's just it's empty. It was absolutely bizarre. 
Yeah, they're not piping in any sound or anything. At, you know, some no. games that are happening, they're doing that, but uh, that wasn't the case here. No. Uh, I did uh, have some conversations with our music guy, so there were some requests being played, so that <laughs> part was pretty cool. But that's no different than any other Rebels game, as you know. Yeah. All right, what, yeah. Stood, out, what, out, what stood out for you uh, with the games themselves? Uh, any particular plays or any particular players? Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of players. Uh, I'll, I'll start on the back end. Okay. I thought on Sunday night's game, Bowen Byram, the Vancouver Giants and Colorado first-rounder, thought he was the best guy on the ice, and and he was everywhere. So he was kind of playing defense, but he was, it was almost a rover position, I thought. Uh, he was he was up on the rush. He was he was first guy back sometimes. Like, he was just – it was unbelievable, his poise and, and puck skills that he could control the play the way he did. Hmm. He played last year, so he has that experience. And they had him teamed up with Jamie Drysdale, who plays for the Erie Otters, and I'm Duck first rounder. And and Drysdale had to play a lot of defense because Byram was up. And Drysdale is so good, and he's not a big guy, but he, he goes into a corner with with players bigger than him, and he's coming out with a puck far more often than he isn't. So I was I was impressed with that that tandem. I thought Caden Gooley uh, from Sherwood Park and plays with the Prince Albert Raiders. I thought he uh, he showed extremely well, and his ability to skate and you can't you can't miss him out there. Uh, so those guys, are, I thought they they stood out for sure. I'm Justin Barron of the Halifax Mooseheads. I thought he was really good. He's a Colorado first rounder as well. Uh, I thought Caden Korzak and Matthew Robertson, uh, both WHL guys. Robertson from the Oil Kings, Korzak from the from the Kelowna Rockets. Definitely had some really good moments. Same with uh, Thomas Harley of the Mississauga Steelheads. Uh, up front, the one, the line of uh, Kirby Doc, Connor Zeri, and Philip Tomasino. I I thought that was probably the best line mm-hmm. on Sunday. They, when they were on the ice, the pucks in the opposition zone. They're making things happen. Doc scored a couple of goals. They were always buzzing the net and make you know just creating. Uh, Doc who played with Chicago, but a former Saskatoon Blade. He's big and strong and, and, and can make plays. And he had Tomasino and Zeri just flying around the ice. Tomasino plays with the Oshawa Generals and Nashville Predator first rounder. Zeri with the Kamloops Blazers, Calgary Flame first rounder. I thought that was the best line. But there were other forwards, though, that stood out. Dawson Mercer of uh, Shakutami Saganin uh, of New Jersey Devil first rounder. He can do everything. There's a guy that you can put him on the power play, you can have him on the PK, you can put him on the ice in the last minute of a game when you have a one nothing lead. Uh, like all these things, I just thought he was uh, incredibly uh, diverse in what he brought to the game. Uh, Connor McMichael from the London Knights and Washington Capital first rounder. You can it, it, it's obvious his skill level and what he does. He was third in OHL scoring a year ago, like. He's he's going to bring something offensively to the team. And Quinton Byfield, who I thought had a better game Saturday than Sunday, but the L.A. King first-round pick, he went second overall last year, uh, plays with the Sudbury Wolves. They're, Canada is going to be big, strong, and really good right down the middle. I mean, Byfield's going to be one of the centers. He, he played on the World Junior Team last year, but didn't have a big role. So his role has increased, and, and it looks like he's ready for it. So, yeah, there's – like. This, to me, whether Lafreniere comes to this or not, and that, that is up to the, the New York Rangers, but whether he comes or not, this team is not going to be far off what 2005 was yeah. when there was no NHL. 
1995 when there was no NHL. Like, it's going to be pretty darn close to that. Well, that's good news for uh, for Canadian fans. That's for sure. Bad news for everybody else. Uh, Shane Wright's here as a uh, really, really young player, but a really, really good player. Does he have a legit shot to make this team? Yeah, he does. Um, but you can make that argument about so many guys at yep. this. And he's a 16-year-old that played as a 15-year-old in the OHL and had 39 goals. That, that's crazy. Yeah. He, he was a 66-point guy as a 15-year-old. Uh, I got to see him once at the Canada Winter Games when that was here a couple of years ago. Um, the Rebels were on like two different road trips, but we were home in the middle for, for one game. And we got to see Ottawa or Ontario play uh, Alberta and Shane Wright. He was an underage for this thing, and you're like, oh, boy, this guy's really good. Well, he played for the Kingston Frontenacs last season. He's not draft eligible till 2022. Yes, he does. Ha- he's got a legitimate shot for sure, but there are a lot of guys that are in that mix. So, like, these games are, are really important to, to players like that. Mm-hmm. That, okay, who are we? How are lines three, four, and, and our extra forwards looking? Uh, he's shown well. But a lot have. I would say he's, you know, in that bubbly type situation right now as far as making that team. But like he's he's a guy that it that at eighteen is probably gonna be in the NHL. Right. Uh and this yeah. year Canada's taken it's an expanded roster. They're gonna have fourteen forwards instead of thirteen. They're taking eight D instead of, you know, the normal six or seven. Uh, and uh, there'll be three goalies as well. So maybe that provides an, a little bit of a, a bigger opportunity for a guy who, in a normal year, you probably wouldn't take a 16-year-old. Um, but yeah. the, maybe, maybe that window's a, a, a cracked uh, open slightly uh, for a guy like that. Are there one or two players who you're expecting to see big things from, haven't really uh, shown it yet, uh, and might need those games this weekend to kind of uh, keep themselves in in the picture? Yeah, maybe a guy like uh, like Adam Beckman, yeah. who led the WHO in scoring last year, a Minnesota Wild third rounder, uh, great puck skills, which and he was the WHL Player of the Year last year. Uh, but I, I think like he's, I would put him in kind of that same group with with Shane Wright, in that I mean he could be on this team for sure, or or not. Like he's. I, I wouldn't say he's a lock at, at this point, and that could change. And that's why I think these games are important. Um, the you know the guys that I'd mentioned earlier, I, to me those guys are, they're all locks. Like right. they're and Dylan Cousins is one of those guys too. But he got hurt in Sunday's game relatively early, so we didn't get to see a lot of Cousins in the in the Sunday night game. But Saturday night he was he was. You know, the Lethbridge Hurricane uh, Buffalo Sabre first rounder was very good. You know, so those guys that I'd mentioned earlier, th- those guys to me are, they're there. There's just no two ways about it. But to me, a guy like Beckman, who if you look from the outside looking in, you go, okay, the guy was the, the WHL's player of the year. He should be a lock. Well, there, there's a lot of talent here. So mm-hmm. I, I think he still has, has work to do, but he could certainly do it for sure. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But um, yeah, like the... It's just I, I've seen a few of these camps before. <laughs> this one just, and it's a little bigger than normal because of, of everything. But uh, there's, there's so many guys like Peyton Krebs of the Winnipeg Ice. Like he's looked really good. Like he's given himself every chance. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit and Winnipeg Jet first rounder, I and mean, he's played really well. Like 
he's right in that mix. So, yeah, Sam Poulin of uh, Sherbrooke Phoenix. Like, he, these guys are all, there's so many of them that there's going to be some incredibly talented players get released from this team. Well, and another name that I've been told, I've been reading and following from people online and stuff, Jacob Pelche is a guy that I think a lot of people had penciled into their oh. their final roster who maybe hasn't blown everybody away just yet. Yeah, but he you can tell he's good. Like he he uh he tried out for the team last year, Calgary Flame first rounder, uh, like yeah, he's uh, but you can see like there's there's a high skill level there too. So he's again, he's still there's there's still time. Yeah. Um but we've got all these other players like Seth Jarvis of the Portland Winterhawks and I mean he's he's has to be considered. I mean he's in the mix like there's there's a lot. There's a lot of really good players here. Jamison Reese. I've, I've actually I liked him in those first two games. He plays with the Sarnia Sting. I think he's he's played okay too. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be tough. I do not envy, and I say this like honestly, I do not envy the coaches' position in that they have to cut this thing down because it's going to be tough, and it may just come down to you know a little bit of personal preference, or or if you think a guy can fit in a certain role. A little better than it than another one doesn't mean that you know the guy you're letting go is a bad player. I know he's a really good player, but maybe this guy fits in this sort of role a little bit better. Like it might come down to that. Then there's a couple of college guys who haven't had a chance to really get in with the rest of the guys yet. Dylan Holloway and Alex Newhook, and they're both really good. Newhook's a, a guy; he's a returning player, right? So he, he usually those guys yeah. are almost automatics. So that's another spot gone. Well, exactly. That's the thing. Like those guys haven't even skated with the with the group, so <laughs> you haven't even you haven't even seen you know what they what they bring to the party yet. But yeah, new hook. I mean, returnee. Um, so you expect you know what you expect from him. He's he's going to be a good one. But from what I understand, like Holloway's played a couple of games in Wisconsin and looked good. And yep. it, while they were skating. In their little group, he's looked pretty good. So you know, maybe he's got a shot here too. So there's also uh, the goaltender uh, Devin Levi. He hasn't yeah. uh, he hasn't been out with this uh, with the whole group yet either. So yeah, there's still a little ways to go and some work to be done as far as um, looking at what this team's going to eventually shape out to be. Now uh, I can't uh, stop without uh, asking you about the goaltenders. Uh, being a former goaltender yourself. What have you thought of the the group that's here? I'm still surprised Sebastian Kosa wasn't invited, uh, that he was involved in the summer virtual camp, but didn't get a look at, at the main camp. He would have been my number two guy. I, for me, and I'll, I'll say it on the record again, Dylan Grand is my starter, and, and I guess Kosa would have been my number two, but maybe now it's Goche and, and, and eventually Devin Levi. But am I forgetting Brett Brochu and, and uh, Tristan Lennox in this? Is this camp still wide open for those all five goaltenders in here. How do you see it? Yeah, it's absolutely wide open. Uh, it, it's my viewing is extremely limited, so it's really hard to to handicap this because Garand's only played half a game, Lennox only played half a game, Brochu and Goche have each played a game and a half, so it's it's very limited viewing. Uh, of the four, Brochu's been really good, but so was Garand was perfect, but he only played half a game. Right. He went twelve for twelve looked as solid as he always does with the Kamloops Blazers. Um, so he, I, I'm sure he would have played the whole game 
on Tuesday morning. <laughs> but unfortunately, we never got to that part. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I have, in my mind, Brochu and Grand have been the best two. Then probably Tristan Lennox, then Taylor Goche. And we haven't seen Devin Levi, uh, yet. the player from college. So, yeah, it's it's so limited and so early right now, it's very hard to say. All right. The uh, the other thing I noticed when I was watching the games uh, online was, hey, those aren't the same green seats. Where are they playing this game? And, then, of course, that speaks to all the renos that were done at the Centrium. You're there. Uh, looks pretty nice when I watched it online and I saw the little video, uh, kind of a tour. Uh, but you're there. Uh, tell us about the upgrades. It's been great. Uh, and now all of these these upgrades were in place before COVID even happened. Like this was this was in the plan going into last season that um, there were some things to be done in the rink. And it's been a progression of different things, whether it was the, the suites that went in on the end uh, before and the seats before the Memorial Cup of 2016. And it's been boards and glass and it was a sound system. And you know, every year there's been stuff that has been done over the last little while. Well, this year it was going to be new seats and new video scoreboards. So the video scoreboard's great. It is crystal clear and nice and big. So that helps us uh, radio guys when we get back to uh, Oil Kings at Red Deer Rebels. You're <laughs> going to enjoy that. Uh, we took three of the four screens from the old video scoreboard, and they're on the end wall in the lounge, and uh, there's stuff that's on them too, which is usually kind of the same as, this, as, as what we have now on top of the suites and then on the end on the suites. So it's, it's not quite like a ribbon, but it's kind of close. Right. Uh, but yeah, the the look is it looks it looks like a brand new rink. So for a rink that opened in late of uh, late of 1991, it looks incredibly updated. Uh, and uh, asking for a friend, but uh, speaking of uh, helping the radio broadcasters, the express elevator to the press box, I, I didn't see that on the video. Uh, no, that didn't make the cut. Uh, but the ice cream remains the same. Ice cream, okay, that's and a good I, thing. I know that's a big deal for a lot of people that come to our rink, that the ice cream's kind of the thing. That's that's kind of the, the signature thing if you're going to the concession. Uh, but the ice cream, and there have been in, inquiries about it, and yes, the ice cream remains. And the taco in a bag, and of course, the Rebels Red uh, from, from our pals at Troubled Monk. Oh, love the Rebels Red. Love it. Yep, our good friends at the Troubled Monk. They're good people. Well, and uh, you joined us, uh, courtesy of the Troubled Monk Hotline. Uh, Mooner, as always, great to catch up with you and uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully getting into some WHL action in the second half of the season. Can't wait. Thanks for having me on. The one and only Cam Moon, and who knows, by Saturday, uh, everything could completely be turned on its head and things have all changed again. That's how quickly uh, things have unfolded this week just around the Canada's camp. Just, I mean, think about it. Five days ago, they were they were playing games and talking about the cuts they had to make on Tuesday, and four days later, they're not even practicing. They're holed up in a hotel for the next two weeks, so not good. But really appreciate uh, whenever Cam was able to come on the show, and uh, it was great to hear him uh, calling games again. Craig Button always does a great job doing color, and uh, man, if you haven't seen the pictures of the Centrium, I love the Centrium. Going to watch junior hockey in Red Deer. Fantastic. I've talked about it a lot on the on this program over the years, but junior hockey in a building meant for junior hockey is really hard to beat. And the Centrium, for my money, is fantastic. 
And they just upgraded everything. The new scoreboard again and uh, new seats. The seats look fantastic. I, I, there will be part of me that misses the uh, you know, the toothpaste green seats from uh, old, but um, those seats are gone. And uh, uh, the black seats that look, I mean, it makes it look like a brand new building. Uh, so really looking forward. Fingers crossed WHL happens 2021 uh, so that I can get down and uh, check out the games at the new look Centrium in Red Deer. Looks fantastic. And with that, that wraps up this week's episode of the show. Just three guests. Usually I like to have four. Last week I had actually five guests, uh, but three is kind of the bare minimum of when I will release the show. Uh, I had intended to have four. Uh, that guest who was scheduled to join me this week will actually join me next week. So we'll look ahead to that and more next week on uh, the Pipeline Show. Until then, I know it's Thanksgiving in the States. For you American listeners right now that might be hearing this, a happy Thanksgiving, obviously. Uh, I know the uh, retail season kicks off in crazy gear uh, this weekend, Black Friday and all that. Uh, please take care of yourselves. Use your head. I know it's important to keep all the businesses going as much as possible. Shop local if you can to help support the, the mom and pop shops. Uh, and if you're you are going to be buying a lot of stuff online, I guess that's one way of staying safe. But uh, there will be people struggling to make ends meet uh, through this second wave that uh, has hit North America for sure. We're well into it here in Alberta. And as always, in a normal year, December can be a stressful and uh, a tough month for people from a mental perspective. This year, that's going to be magnified a multitude of times. So please, please, please treat each other with kindness and respect. And keep in mind that everybody is going through tough, difficult times right now. If you feel pissed off a year going shopping and you're wanting to unload on the people working there, think twice. My God, can you imagine what it must be like to be working retail at this time of year in during a global pandemic or at a grocery store? Or these people are there. A lot of them, I'm sure, wish they didn't have to be there. They want to be safe and uh, at home with their families, too. But... Stay at home if you can. If you can't, please take care of yourself. 2020 has sucked hard for a lot of people in a lot of places. Uh, one month ago, not that it's magically going to fix itself when the calendar flips to 2021, but let's, let's not make it worse. I hope everybody stays safe. We will talk to you next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya. See ya.